0: Uh, I'm sure you guys have noticed that, you know, as we look forward to something new, it's only natural to look backward and review. And so I'm sure a lot of us, maybe this morning, uh, received a notification on our phones, either about our budgeting apps, our photos, or maybe even our music. And so one thing that I like to use, I use Spotify. And uh, every year, at the end of the year, Uh, It always reminds me of the different artists, playlists, and songs that I listen to. And so as I look back at that, and if you look at at the slide, there's a ton of different worship songs that I was able to listen to this year. So we jammed out. And anyways, with Spotify, there's this super cool feature that allows you to either share it to to Instagram, uh, Snapchat, or Facebook. And uh, you know how I am. I uh, basically didn't shy away from sharing that on Instagram. And uh, one of my buddies in college, uh, he commented and sarcastically reminded me. He's like, man, I am so thankful that you shared uh, your music this year. I really just wondered what you listened to. (laughs) I was like, thanks, man. And so you know how it goes. Some of us tend to overshare on social media or whatever it is but regardless of what it is it's always super fun to look back on the year and so sometimes it's encouraging as we look back sometimes it's maybe discouraging or maybe it's even convicting and whether it's discouraging encouraging or convicting i know that as we look and review it always helps us to look forward And so that's what I'd like to do with each of you this morning. On this first day of the new year, I'd like each of you to join me in reviewing our 2022 together. And I think we're going to shed a ton of light on last year and review using using a really powerful passage Wes alluded to earlier. But we're going to be focusing on this passage from one of the wisest men who ever lived. And it's my hope that as we look back, God will enable us to better look forward with a greater hope into 2023. And so I thought, you know, I'd overshare and get a little transparent myself. And as I've been reflecting personally, when we begin a new year, it's only natural to set new goals and to look out with a renewed mind and a sense of purpose. And we often rethink of how we use our time Our talents or our treasures over the last year. And so, as I look at it, there's a lot of good stuff that happened. And one of those good things that happened was maybe you don't know, maybe you do by now. Um, Amelia and I are expecting a little baby boy come March. So, yeah, you guys can clap. So that's super exciting, right? You know, we're looking forward to this, and if you look up on the slide, we have a slide of it about a month and a half ago at 21 weeks. And I don't know, this, this stuff, is, it just blows my mind when I look at it. And it's super encouraging, it's super exciting, uh, and we can't wait to welcome him in. But on the other side of that, there's also things that gave me pause, And I realize that not everyone has an iPhone in here, but if you do, there's this thing called screen time, and it basically tells you how much time you're spending on certain things. Well, it convicted me, fantasy football specifically. And uh, fantasy football, it might not be your thing, but I imagine we all have things we look back on, and I think... Some of you might be asking the question, why did I spend so much time on one thing? Why did I maybe spend so much time on Facebook Marketplace? Or Amazon? Or scrolling through Instagram? Or maybe even binging your favorite TV show? Well, as I look back, I was shocked at, um, man, how many hours? Yeah, this is like a daily average of how much time went into the app. It's embarrassing at how much, how much time I spent looking at stats, projections, uh, news reports, at how my team could do better, and I'll tell you, they did no better for it. So, <laughs> kind of a waste of time, but it was a gut check for me. And about how much time I spent on something that is kind of meaningless compared to, inter- compared to eternity. Now, I'm not saying that fantasy football is evil. No way am I saying that. And I'm not saying I'm going to get rid of it either. Uh, I think I'm a little bit too competitive, as I won two years ago. But that's beyond the point. But there's a way that you can take up this hobby and do it in a way that honors the Lord. But there's also a way that we can use this hobby, this good thing that God has given us, to dishonor the Lord. And there's a way to turn fantasy football into a God that you know consumes my life and, and starts to control me and a way that I spend my time. And there's also a way to take this good thing and make it a God thing that I can use to you know, glorify God, to, to build relationships in the kingdom. And, you know, as, as you guys are still looking up here, it's embarrassing, it's convicting, but greater than that, even though I didn't do super well with that, I think fantasy football is a really great way for me to stay connected to my family, to some of you in here, even though the season was horrible. But fantasy football gives me a way to to connect with family and friends. And here's the point, as we look back and review, there's going to be a lot of things that, you know, we might be thinking, oh, this kind of brought conviction. I don't know if I should do it. I'm not saying throw it out of the window or throw it in the trash completely. See, we might need to rethink how we do things, but all these things can be used for the good, for the good of God's kingdom and for its glory. And so that's my big idea this morning. As, as we think of it, we can make all things, all good things, Right? God honoring things by doing life with and for Jesus. And so we're gonna focus on that. And as we transition into our text today, we're gonna look at a guy that by the world's standard had it all. This is King Solomon. And for those of you that don't know who King Solomon was, Solomon was King David's son. And that means Solomon had these massive shoes to fill, right? King David, really good. How's Solomon going to fill it? Well, Solomon starts out great, right? He finishes rebuilding the temple, something his father couldn't do. But then Solomon was quickly lured into the desires of the world. See, Solomon in his time was seen as somebody who had all the power, had all the wealth, and had all the influence and everything that the world could give him. But Solomon, guys, he stumbled upon a big problem. He lacked focus on his purpose. He used these good things that God had given him as idols, treated them as gods. He tried to find joy and satisfaction in these things rather than a relationship with God, which is something that I think each and every one of us struggle with, right? Time to time, we can treat something as an idol, elevate it too high. We all struggle with this. To say it another way, Solomon discovered that if he wasn't careful, he would start treating the good things of this life as a pacifier. Now, I don't have a child here yet, but I know everybody's got their different opinions. And, but for, for some people, I know that they're like, yeah, pacifier, it's a must, got to use it, it's great. now we all know what a pacifier looks like right and we use pacifiers to to temporarily distract kids um, from whatever they need distracting from and it soothes them temporarily right which is good it's great no crying but ultimately when we take out the pacifier chances are that the baby is going to start crying screaming flailing throwing a fit And for those of you who are parents in here, you've probably experienced this one too many times. Maybe you took the pacifier out. Maybe you're like, oh, I just need to get some rest and just close my eyes for a second. All of a sudden, pacifier's out. Maybe it falls out. And all of a sudden, you're scratching your head and you're like, I'm going to lose it. Lord Jesus, help me with this kid. (sighs) And sometimes the meltdown, we think, oh, yeah, it's the kid that's worse. I don't know. The adult's meltdown might be a lot worse. I don't know. But the point is, it's often not pleasant, right? Now, as much as we don't want to admit it, we're not a whole lot different than babies in this aspect. Each of us in here, we all have our own pacifiers. And we have pacifiers. Maybe it's, take, for example, your taking a quick look through Instagram. You're like, all right, what's the latest? What's the tea? Give it to me. What's going on? Or maybe some of you are like, "Um, I don't know what to do with myself. Sitting in silence is kind of awkward. I'm going to just kind of grab my phone. I don't know what to do. Or maybe you get that quick, you know, little urge of, oh, man, some good tea bell sounds really good right now. I don't know. That one's kind of questionable. But we all have these things that serve as temporary distractions that are good things in themselves, but they become a problem when we elevate them up to God's level. So if you guys have your phones, your Bibles, whatever, I want you guys to follow along on the screen as we dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 to 26. Solomon with this outlines you know a huge problem at hand but he's going to direct us to an incredible solution. So Solomon says anything I wanted I would take I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had had and everything that I had accomplished, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was really nothing worthwhile anywhere. So let's stop here for a second. Solomon, he's after one central idea: everything is meaningless, which is a little bit dramatic, right? But that's not exactly his point. And the other important phrase that Ecclesiastes presents that Solomon says, everything is meaningless. Under the sun. In other words, everything is meaningless apart from God, who is over and beyond the sun. Everything is meaningless. And this is what Solomon is trying to help us understand. Everything is meaningless apart from a life with God. And so Solomon takes it as far as, you know, YOLO. Some of you might not know your slang here, but that's you only live once. Solomon really lived into that attitude. And as he put it, he denied himself nothing. If you don't know a whole lot about Solomon, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines or mistresses, which is a lot. And if you haven't done the math by now, that's 10% of the population here in Napoleon. Yikes! So Solomon isn't denying himself nothing anything. Solomon also built a lot of things, had a ton of money, and Solomon had it all. He was literally Mr. Playboy billionaire, but even with all that he had, Solomon's not satisfied. In this section, right, it's focusing right on on pleasure and the good things that God has given us to enjoy, but it's meaningless apart from God. And so Solomon's saying, you know, there's a ton of things we can enjoy. There's a lot of things that God has given us. But if he's not behind our enjoyment, it means nothing. Let me give you an example for a second. So take coffee, and this is silly, this is ridiculous, I get it, it's it's coffee. But coffee's a good thing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And some of you, right, some of you who agree, you might even be on your fourth cup of coffee right now. And the thing is, with coffee, too much of it will make us too coffee-dependent. And I'm sure for some of you, you've seen those commercials that say, uh, I can't function unless I have my coffee. And uh, I want you to check this uh, this short clip out from McDonald's because I think it hits it right on the head. Hey, dude, Please. Don't even talk to me until I have my coffee, okay? Oh, hey, Tim. Sorry, I haven't had my coffee yet. Um. No. <laughs> Morning. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I interest you in Not a... Not before I have my coffee. Premium roast coffee for just a dollar. Talk to me. Introduce... <laughs> <laughs> so we've all been there, right? Maybe. Um, and you might have needed coffee from last night if you stayed up to watch the ball drop. But the reality is we can all relate. And some of you might feel like, you know, I get it. I've been there. But if coffee is our ultimate satisfaction, if it's the end goal, it's meaningless. And this is what Solomon's warning us with all good things that God gives us. Hey, you know, this is a good thing. This is meant for you to enjoy. But apart from God... It means nothing. And again, this is coffee. It's silly, but it makes the point. And so when Solomon looks at his life in review, he's like, man, I got everything wrong. Everything that I had done, I got it wrong. And this is the most successful man in the world at the time admitting this. In the world's eyes, he's arrived as he stands atop his money, women, and career success. Yet he realizes it's all worthless and meaningless if he looks to these things to make his life worthwhile. And so the reason Solomon said it was meaningless wasn't because these things are bad. These things are not bad. They're not. But taken out of context and and made an idol and, and something that is an end to it all, that's when it becomes an issue. And for Solomon, it became the Solomon show or the me show. That's why it was the issue. God isn't saying, you know what? I'm going to create all these different things and uh, just do nothing. God's saying, no, Solomon, I want to give you all this to enjoy. That's what I want to do. But to enjoy in the sense of using these resources that I've given you to point back to me. And so jump back to verse 12. Solomon says, "So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness, for who can be better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die." So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is meaningless. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So again, Solomon comes around, right? Makes his dramatic Eeyore impression. Everything's meaningless. But what he's speaking about is the knowledge he pursued. He's like, all right, you know, the pleasures of the world, meaningless. Knowledge, meaningless. And again, the wisdom that he's talking about, it's good, right? Wisdom is a good thing. Growing in our knowledge is absolutely a great thing. And God has given each of us the capacity to learn, and to grow in our wisdom. Think about it. God has given humanity a larger brain than the rest of the animals and all of creation on the earth. Even though some of us might disagree and wonder time to time if there's really anything going on upstairs for some people. But it's the truth, and it's clearly important to God. However, just as God has given us things to enjoy God gave us knowledge, which is a great thing. But he gave it to us so that we may honor him and glorify him. And so Solomon, he's wrestling back and forth. Is it really great to be wise? I mean, at the end of the day, neither will be remembered. Is it really important? Does it matter? And so at this point, Solomon, he's reviewing pleasure, he's reviewing wisdom, and he's found both of them to be meaningless, apart from a relationship with God. And so Solomon's brain begins to turn as he's taking a review of his life. Solomon's got this sense of, man, I got it all wrong. And I thought I knew what I was doing, but man, I could not have been further for what God desired of me. And so he's looking through pleasure. He's looking through wisdom. He's probably at this point getting a little bit discouraged, like, oh, okay. Neither of these are bringing any satisfaction to my life. Maybe work will. Maybe the labor I'd take part in. I don't know. And so Solomon comes back and he says, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill my hard work under the sun. How meaningless. So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, and they must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people do with all this hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with grief, and even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. I don't know about you, but this did resonate with me in the sense of, of others taking over our work, right? And some of us in here are just getting started. Some of us are looking towards retirement. Some of us might be retired. And how many of you resonate with Solomon when he says, who can tell... If those who come after me will be wise or foolish, how many of you feel like that? Chances are you probably do, a good chunk of you. And for those of you who have spent decades successfully running a business, spent decades being successful as a farmer, spent time being successful as a teacher, and so on, that question comes back around. Who's going to fill my shoes when I leave? who's going to take over my work? And there's almost a sense of fear and anxiety that trickles in. Or maybe on the other side, if you're like me and just starting out, how am I going to fill the shoes of those who've gone before me? And this is what Solomon's getting after. And Solomon says, man, work and labor, it's filled with grief, for our minds cannot rest. Anyone ever felt like this before? After the day happens, you're like, okay, this was good in the day. This was bad. Maybe I should do this tomorrow. You start making a mental checklist of how you're going to do things differently. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, i got to go to bed, but I can't. I'm, I'm just sitting here. My mind's spiraling out of control. All of us have felt this. And I can't tell you how many times I've laid in my bed sitting there Oh man, this, this was good today. Oh, this is really horrible and I can't stop replaying the situation. And I wonder, what could I do differently? I can't sleep and it's no wonder. And this is what Solomon's getting after. There's so much anxiety that's filled with labor apart from God and placing our purpose completely in our work. Solomon's saying, no, 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 no. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to, leave, to lose sleep And time and energy. And so all of a sudden Solomon's reviewed everything. He's looked back at his life and he's kind of questioning everything to this point. And he's like, everything's garbage. Why am I still feeling empty? Why is there still a void in my heart? Everything that I thought I wanted, I got it. But none of it's delivered. None of it's been enough. What am I going to do? But listen to this. Solomon comes to the solution. He comes to the hope and the realization that we have with God. Solomon says in verse 24, So I decided that there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction and work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes away the wealth and gives it to those who please him. This too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So Solomon has this aha moment, right? I get it. All these things, yes, they're meaningless, but they're only meaningless apart from God. For from God, all good things come, right? We can agree on that. Everything that comes from God is good because sometimes, you know, in in looking at Solomon's life, he takes probably his entire life to figure this out. And I don't know about you, but it does encourage me that even this guy with all the wisdom, knowledge, and everything that he had took his entire life it makes me feel like I'm not doing as terrible. Because I think sometimes, right, we get frustrated in the Christian journey. We get frustrated. We're like, God, are you doing this work? I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing things right. I don't know if I'm walking the way I should be. And this is encouraging because God was doing a work in Solomon whether he knew it or not. And it wasn't a flip of the switch. Certainly God can do that in our lives. But God has been working in his life patiently. And so for some of us, we look at Solomon's life and we're like, this is a big hot mess. Everything he did, he didn't get it right. But he does come to the realization and he comes to that moment of transformation saying, you know what, it is all about God. It is all about God. And what he's done and what he's doing and it's about a life with God, And so as Solomon looks back at his life, he's not saying, yeah, we should go all isolate ourselves and go live as monks, completely separated from the world. But we shouldn't throw out all of God's good gifts either, but rather he invites us to treat God's good gifts as an end in themselves. Instead, he suggests that we um, turn to the things in our life, the good things that God has given to us, to reflect his glory and to point back to Jesus. This is the aha, right? We make all good things, God-honoring things by doing life with and for Jesus. See, as we look back on our year, we don't have to throw out everything. We don't have to trash all the things that we were a part of. But maybe we need to rethink a few things. Redirection. Refocus, recenter ourselves under Christ. Because everything that we look back on, there's not much that can't be redeemed for and by Christ. And while Jesus had not yet come in Solomon's lifetime in the flesh, this is what Solomon was after. That's what he was pointing to. Hey, it's about this guy, it's about God. And so this morning, as we kind of wrap up as we transition, as we close. I want us to focus on one thing. Don't simply do life under the sun. Live life under Christ. And while there's a whole lot that I could say about this, I want to simply point us back to a song that, that we sang this morning. We sang a song called Make Room and this song is all about making room for Jesus in our lives. This is Solomon's message. And there's a lot of things, right, that can take away our attention, that can distract us. And so Solomon, he's talking about it. All the things that are going on, he's talking about pleasure, wisdom, work, and there's nothing wrong with the pleasures of this life. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with the wisdom that God has for our life there's nothing wrong with an honest day's work there's nothing wrong with the good things that god has given to each of us but rather it's how we use those things and solomon rather invites us to to make good things god honoring things by doing all things with jesus by making room for him to help us receive these good things and to participate in them in a way that is, that is going to build his kingdom rather than our own. Because church, there's only one kingdom that's going to last. It's God's kingdom for all eternity. So as you think about your year in review, don't be too hard on yourself. But do look back with the wisdom that Solomon has given us and look forward how we can make Different tweaks into a new year and make the good things in our life God honoring things as we enter into 2023. And one final note that I want to leave you on is personally, somewhere that I want to improve things on my own life. Last year, with social media, with Instagram, I spent way too much time. I used it as a crutch for my own ego, for my own pride. I'll be honest, I I would post a picture to give myself a boost. And if it didn't, you know, flood with likes and different things, I would delete it because I was deflated. And yeah, it's a little embarrassing and hard to admit, but it's not where I find my identity. And so when I was feeling this and as I look back at Instagram, it can be such a good thing for the kingdom of God. It's a tool that that each of us can use, whether you're on social media, whatever it is. I know that I'm gonna use this tool to further share about the gospel of Jesus. And so when we make room for Jesus in our lives, we can use social media to be a connection point with others in Christ. We can use knowledge that we have gleaned from further education to instill hope, the love and the hope that Jesus has for us. And we can be a light for Christ in whatever workplace that God has called us to. See, not all of us have been called to be pastors, and you don't have to be a pastor to make a difference in God's kingdom. God has called each of you, whether teacher, farmer, businessman, Wherever you are, God is going to use you exactly where you are as a light for his kingdom. He will use you, he will strengthen you, and you will be a light for all that he does in you. That work thing, and and even the labor that we do, it can all point back to Jesus. So as we look back, it can be discouraging. But guys, we've made progress. We've made progress and there is grace in Jesus Christ. And I think you guys have heard this over and over here at Crossroads, but Jesus is not after perfection. You don't have to get it all right. You don't have to be perfect. We're not gonna be perfect in this life. We're gonna screw up. We're not always gonna get it right. But what matters to Jesus, listen to this, What matters to Jesus is where our heart is. And my prayer is that as you walk into 2023, you would run more and more into his presence. Let's pray. God, uh, you've done so many wonderful things this year. It's easy, super easy, Lord, to look back and and to be negative. But God, you have done nothing but good. And Lord, you're, there is so much evidence, even in the bad. And so, Lord, as we walk into 2023, God, let us walk with joy, a renewed sense of purpose, of hope, and trusting that you are still God, that you are still in this world, and that you are still at work. God, we trust you and we love you. And we pray all this in the mighty name of King Jesus. Amen.